0: Shelby, thanks. thanks for coming on this is uh this is episode 4 of TOTFC uh podcast series so um for anybody that doesn't know I've known Shelby for almost probably close to two decades maybe of my life yeah. um we we pretty much grew up in the same basketball circle from like near the end of junior high through high school and she went to the same university as me saying Evex. um so Shelby moved from Halifax, another another Scotian on the show, shout out Nova Scotia. She moved to Ontario to work for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment um, via the Raptors. And I mean, we've known each other for quite a while, but other than that, um, Tristan's going to ask you to...
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm taking this as like a pretty cool opportunity because you and I have never met and I've heard... Uh, plenty of stories just from hanging out with Will, Joseph, Colin, and that kind of crew. And especially to see where where you are today uh, with your career. Um, it's definitely like super cool to see someone like from Nova Scotia having such a big uh, impact with their career and stuff. Um, but I mean, I kind of want to leave it up to you to kick it off and just tell us a little bit about yourself almost I'm treating this almost as if I'm an audience member listening to this and wanting to hear your story so just tell us a little bit about yourself uh where you grew up how you uh and basically how you got to where you are today um and we only have like I mean we have you for about an hour so let's start mm. there
2: so that's actually not true because I do know you but you were like a kid at x-camp and, <laughs> yep. and you were like running around the gym you know everyone on the show basically at that age so I do remember you but you were like way younger then um so but you once you got old enough to like for
3: sure
2: hang out with all these guys I was gone so
3: um
2: so yeah so my name is obviously Shelby Weaver um from Halifax uh born and raised there went to Santa Fex Uh, did my degree in finance um I basically made a decision I, I wouldn't say that I I got taken away from basketball probably a little earlier than I would have wanted to um planned on playing university basketball at St. Effects, was working out will probably remembers a little bit of this was working out was in really good shape and then went on a trip to Ecuador uh, Habitat for Humanity and got really sick when I got back and basically was at like square one I went from being the best shape of my life to the absolute worst shape of my life and um just couldn't medically get cleared to play. It was just there was too much unknown at that time. Um, and ended up being fine, but it took me out of basketball for my first year of university. And after that I kind of just made the decision not to go back. Um it was a really tough one because I feel like well you guys will both know this. Like I identified like as an athlete for so long. Like that was who I was. Like I yes, I was a good student. I was a daughter, I was a friend, I was all these different things, but like what you identify yourself with as like your exceptional talent is basketball. And that's like how you have identity and that's how you have confidence and all those different things. And so when I removed myself from basketball in university, it was like this weird process of trying to figure out like who I was again, because you're kind of not special after that. Like once you're not a, like a varsity athlete or a starter on your high school team or your college team, like you're kind of just like everybody else. And that's like hard, you know, when you've been, not that for so long so um but i do think and you know it's something that i look back on now that i wasn't sort of happy with at the time but i look back on it now and it actually forced me to figure out who i was without basketball very early on and i think what that did was make the transition easier for me when i graduated university so in my last year of school i started thinking about the things that i wanted to do and you know sports was obviously still something i was really passionate about and i was really interested in the music industry so I started like looking up people in Toronto and trying to figure out what my next step was gonna be. I really felt like I had to be in Toronto to do those kind of jobs in the at the level that I wanted to do it. Um so I just sort of like spent my entire fourth year of university like hitting the pavement and just talking to different people. I went up there for my reading week and realized really quickly that no one was gonna take me seriously unless I moved there. So I made the decision that I was going to move to Toronto right after I graduated. So I think we had our, well, I don't even remember, but I think we had our graduation on like May 3rd Mm -hmm. or something. And I was in Toronto by like two days later, like I was gone. (laughs) And I literally moved three days after I graduated. And so I cut a deal with my parents. I said, let me like, give me a month, pay my rent and pay my living expenses for a month. And let me see if I can get a job in sports. And if I didn't by June, whatever it was, I was going to um, just get any job to pay the bills, and then just you know keep working my way. So I made a lot of good connections, hit up all of those when I got there, and was I interviewed for a couple different jobs, and ultimately ended up um, getting a job as um, an administrative assistant, which essentially is a secretary at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which is the sports conglomerate that owns the Leafs, the Raptors, TFC you know, Scotiabank Arena, all that stuff. So I was nervous. The job was recommended to me by someone that I trusted. So I was excited, but it was also nervous because my impression of of administrative assistants was like people who have been secretaries for 30, 40 years, you know, like that was their calling. That was their life. And so when I was interviewing the first question he asked me was like, do you want to be an administrative assistant for the rest of your life? And I was like, Oh God, the answer is no, but I'm also willing to do the work now. Like I wasn't above any kind of job. I just, it wasn't something that I wanted to do long-term. And so turns out this, um, the person that I ended up working for, used to take assistants and turn them over in a good way every two, three years. So he would train them and then he'd move them into other parts of his business. And so this is something he had already done a couple of times. So he was like, great, I'm looking for someone that I can teach and then move into another part of the business. So I ended up working for him for two years, end up being like the best experience. I I didn't do a lot of administrative assistant things. I did some of them, but for the most part, he really taught me about the business and Still to this day, is like what I would call a friend now, more so than a mentor, he's um, he went on to become the chief commercial officer at MLSE. Um, wow, just really, really sharp, yeah. Dave Hopkinson is his name. Um, really sharp business mind, like well regarded in the industry. And now he's over, he actually moved over to Spain, he's at Real Madrid now, um, which is really, really cool, yeah.
1: Excellent. So that was
2: my first job in sports, and then I'm did a couple different things on the business side and then ultimately ended up, um, moving over to the basketball side, um, to run our G league team, um, like manage all the basketball operations side of our G league team. Did that for two seasons, won a championship in our second season, moved up to the Raptors. And then this is my, this will be my third season. Um, cu- uh, yeah, this is my third season up with the Raptors, um, in my current role.
0: Um, just quickly touching on what you said were you lucky in terms of who you like how the the administrative like could you have been on somebody else's desk that wouldn't have been like as as how like was that just like luck of the draw kind of yeah
2: totally luck of the draw the job was recommended to me like someone was like you should apply for this and I was like "Uh, administrative assistant like I'm not sure she was like trust me just apply and I was like okay cool so You know, I did have, like, someone tip me off, but I think that job, when I applied, I have to go back and look at the records, but I think there was, like, 600 applicants just for an administrative job. Like, M L S E jobs get crazy amount of applicants, so, you know, for for anything, really, so – but, yeah, it was – it was – you know, I did, I did not know the situation that I was getting into. I knew someone had recommended and said, the the guy that you'd be working for is really unbelievable. He's great, but I definitely didn't have any indication that it was going to be how it ended up being. Like he for sure is like one of the best people that has taught me so much. And still to this day is like an advocate for me. And, you know, is there whenever I need advice, like really, really just uh, lucked out on that one for sure.
1: Did you did you have any idea that it was going to turn into what it did or did you just I mean I know you you said that administrative assistant like I don't want to be here my entire life but mm-hmm. no MLS did you have no anything about the connection it would have to basketball
2: Not really like you know at the time it was kind of interesting because you know, it's so different now with the sports industry than it was like right. when we were in school. Like I knew about the sports industry, but cause we lived in a city that didn't have pro teams. Like I was into pro sports, but not really. Like I was more into like AUS and CIS. Like that's the stuff we watched, we tracked, like we talked about. So for me, like I knew about the sports side but I really wanted to work on the business side of sports. Like that's what I had in my head. I took a business degree. I loved business. It was something I was passionate about and raised around. So I thought that would be really interesting. Not to say, I I obviously knew there were like GMs and coaches and and a whole basketball operations team, but like, nobody really talked about that at the time. That stuff is so much more in the media now. And so much, we just have so much more access to like those Mm -hmm. types of things now. So not to say I didn't really realize it was an option, but I didn't think of it as an option. I was like, you know what sports business. So when I got into the sports business side and I, you know, because I was working for someone higher up in the company, that yeah. meant I had relationships with other people who were, you know, maybe other people maybe you didn't have access to. So yeah. I was working with the, the Raptors and the Leafs side and their executives. And that's how I got to know Masai and Bobby and Teresa. Um, Cause I was working for Dave. And so once I started seeing them and I was like, they were like younger, my age, I got along with them really well. I actually hung out with them outside of work. They were sort of friends before I ended up working with them. Um, and then I was like, you know what? And the one thing that I always felt was missing on the business side was like this connection to winning. So on the business side, like, of course you're connected to winning. You're, you know, you're funding the teams, you're creating atmosphere for the teams to play in like you're really like you can't have one without the other but I really mm. sort of miss like the nitty-gritty of like having your hands on winning and so once I started to get to know the people on the basketball side I was like yo this actually seems like more of my thing because I was working on everything I was working on Leafs Raptors soccer music everything and not to say I didn't love those things but obviously basketball is like my first love so I was like, as I started to see that, I was like, you know what, this might be like a better fit for me and just something that I maybe didn't think of. So I didn't go into it being like, Oh, I want to work for the Raptors for an office, but ultimately that's what I decided. And that's where I ended up.
0: It's almost go ahead Tristan, If you want to, I I I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to say, it's almost like organically, like how you talked about at X, you lost your identity in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then kind of with the, with the opportunity and the risks of moving to a new city and and you know, doing something that you weren't quite sure of, you um, you almost just organically fell back into your identity. It's that's, so that's crazy. Kind of, it really is
2: crazy. Like I didn't think it about that at all. It gives me
0: goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, I know it's, it's so weird. weird.
2: It's like, and it's weird how it happened too, because when. So I did another stint with Dave. So I worked for him, moved into another part of his business working on the foundation side and some things changed from a leadership level. And I actually went back to work with him when he got promoted for about a year and a half. And so it was a temporary thing he knew, but it was to help him transition to sort of like this next level. Um, And as we were talking, we were kind of coming to the end of that temporary time and him and I were talking about what I wanted to do next. And I had said like, I actually think I really want to do something on the basketball side. Like I, and he was like, are you sure? Like that's a, you know, you you get into a whole other ball game when you move over to that side. Like it's very, it's a lot more tumultuous, the ups and downs of winning and losing. Like the business environment is a more stable environment for lack of a better word. And so, you know, we talked it through and I was like, I think I, I think I want to do it. Like, I think I can do it. And so we hadn't talked to Messiah about it yet because we were, in the playoffs and against Washington. So we were gonna wait until it wound down and then I was gonna go over and have a talk with the basketball side and just sort of voice them, you know, if there was anything over there for me, like I wasn't sure. And we were in Washington for the playoffs and I was hosting, Dave was doing a trip, like a business trip when hosting a bunch of our partners and I was essentially running the trip for him because I was his assistant. And I got a phone call from Masai like randomly and he was like hey can you come to our hotel because we were at a different hotel I was like yeah I can be there in like 10 minutes he's like cool so I walked over and he basically was like I know you're coming to the end of your time with Dave would you want to come run our G league team and like I hadn't even gotten a chance to go talk to him yet it was like and I was going to but he just like it all of it just like came out of nowhere and I was like and I literally him, I was like did hop say something too he's like no what are you talking about and I was like yo like the universe works in like i don't want to sound too hippie but the universe works in weird ways
0: um go ahead tristan no like because
1: i'm i'm almost sitting here geeking out right now because i feel like i'm in almost the exact same position that you were in terms of being an athlete your entire life uh studying you know having a passion for business and kind of people and communications and then finishing my time at saint Evex, and now i'm also i'm in this position where okay I'm not continuing on to play pro basketball mm-hmm. and, I'm just, and I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm in this weird space, like, like you described it. I think it's something that so many athletes struggle with um, when they finish playing their sport, because I mean, as an athlete, you're so competitive
3: mm-hmm. and,
1: um, <clears throat> when you finish, you kind of lose that outlet for that kind of competitiveness. And I mean, obviously for me, I've found, the gym and fitness to kind of be that outlet for myself. Yeah. But I know that like just hearing your story is kind of like, you know, have some, it's important to have some patience to come up, that comes comes along with it when, oh, when sure. trying to figure yourself through uh, this kind of little stage.
2: And to just like be open because the biggest thing for me is like, I wanted to work in sports business. So ultimately I had landed where I wanted and then I totally changed. Like I was open to the fact that maybe sports business and wasn't the side i wanted to be on maybe it was the basketball side and so you got to be like very i did things in my career like went back to a job that i already had like i was an administrative assistant and then i went back to be an assistant again like most people would have looked at that and thought that was crazy and it probably looks crazy on a resume but ultimately it was like the best decision ever like i thought i learned a lot in that first stint that second stint when i was working for dave and also tim like at the time was our ceo was like unbelievable but logically it didn't make any sense you know Mm. what I mean so it is important to like stay open and just really not tie yourself too hard to like one thing or the other because like things are just gonna flow
0: did did like you said looking at that it might seem crazy did did anybody like say anything to you or was anybody like what are you doing like why would you do that And you and you were just kind of like you just had to be like man like don't like I can't worry about what somebody might say to me
2: yeah. And I actually think it was more of like my own reservations. I'm like, am I really, I, and it was only eight months later. Like I had left that job eight months ago and was like just hitting my stride in this new role and I was enjoying it. And there was like, there was a direction that that was going that potentially could have given me more responsibility and stuff too. And I was kind of like, do I like, am I really going back to a job that I already had? And then I kind of like graduated from, you know? So it was more like an internal thing for me, but ultimately it ended up being like the best decision ever. And I learned so much in that year and a half. It was crazy.
0: Um, um, tell, tell me like, tell me what it's like, um, uh, based on like the outside perception from mm-hmm. what I would say and, and what I've seen probably in sports, maybe it's changing a bit now, but um what's it like being a woman? It seems in a male dominated business, like how, mm-hmm. how, how has that transition been for you? It may, is that not even true? Is it, is it very diverse in the, mm-hmm. in the, in your, or in your organization? Or when you first yeah. started, were you like, this is definitely different than what I'm used to, or, or, or is it just, you just went about business? Like you didn't even think about it. You just put your head down and worked.
2: Yeah. When I was on the business side, it's pretty even, like it's pretty 50, 50, Um, I would say when I look back now, like at the time there was definitely imbalance when it came to like leadership, like higher leadership, it's a lot better now, you know, like MLSE is really like, there's a lot of female executives we have now and, and at impressive levels, like our CFO, our CMO, you know, our head of HR, like they're all women. So there's at the leadership level now, it's definitely more balanced out. Once I move from the business side to the basketball side, that's definitely, there's definitely a more of an imbalance. But I will say this: the NBA is like so ahead when it comes to these kind of issues from mm. you know racial equality to gender equality and all of those things. We're not all the way there. I don't wanna I don't wanna act like there's not work to be done. But the NBA is really far ahead, and the Raptors are probably the furthest ahead of all of those. So we have like I'm probably gonna get the number wrong, but we have like uh at least eleven women working on just the basketball side, and that's like pretty unheard of. We have a female I coach, like we that's have really women. High. Hmm.
0: I said I feel like that'd be quite high compared Oh yeah, to most it's the other. highest for
2: sure. For sure the highest. So we have a female coach, we have um women in the medical um department, we have women in player development, like myself, we have women in operations, like we literally have women in every department across the entire basketball side. So it's kind of interesting, because for the most part, I'm not going to say it's not an issue, but I kind of live in like this nice little bubble, like there's nothing in my day to day life at the Raptors that hinders me from doing my job. I don't really think about it. I grew up, Will knows this, like, mm. we have, like, I hung out with a lot of guys, and we mm-hmm. had like a few girls and we hung out with all the guys and we played basketball with them. And that was like what we did. So I'm, I'm comfortable in that environment. So um, I wouldn't say that it doesn't exist, but I super, super, super lucky to work for the Raptors. And we just have like Messiah just really believes in the diversity, like elevating you. Like you have Definitely. all of these different people from different backgrounds coming together. And like, that's, ultimately going to always lead to like a better product and better discussions and better results you know what I mean sure. so I'm really lucky for sure but I don't it's it's a little naive of me to say because it, I don't want to act like it's not a thing but for me it's not a big thing
0: you're pretty much saying that you're, you're like growing your youth like playing ball with us and and being around us has kind of like it made it it just made it normal for you in terms yeah, of maybe sure. other people that Okay, that, I mean. Yeah, and
2: and coupled with the fact that I get to work in an environment like our team environment is very inclusive and there's nothing there's nothing on a day-to-day basis where I'm like, "Ooh, like I feel like that happened because I'm a girl." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're really just the guys don't respond any differently, our staff doesn't respond any differently to the women versus the men. It's just it's just a it's a good situation to be in.
1: And it's important when it comes to in like internal conflicts and how that can like affect uh, organization success, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I just working in in a restaurant, the restaurant I was just working in, there was kind of this kind of um, conflict between the front of house staff versus the kitchen mm-hmm. and it just really impacted the overall success of the entire business, right? For sure. Um,
2: for sure, yeah. that stuff is important. Like everybody like you know you spend a lot of time with the people you work with, yeah. but in the most part, you spend more time with the people you work with than with your families than your spouses, your friends. Like um, really is important that everybody can figure out a way. You don't have to all be best friends, but you do have to find some mutual respect and some sort of, you know, common ground.
0: for sure. I, I like how you said um the Raptors are, are uh, way ahead um, because to me, Based on watching the last few years, um, I don't know if it if, if it relates to you joining the Raptors and nine oh five at that time, but I've noticed that you guys like we we talk about top of the food chain and stuff. It, that's what top of the food chain, is, like hierarchical mm-hmm. system. I feel like the Raptors do a really good job of developing players that might be considered at the bottom of the food chain in the NBA and developing them and and growing them to integrate them to their team where mm-hmm. they they don't they're comfortable you know what I mean and as as basketball players as humans to be at your best you need to be comfortable and I feel like the Raptors do a really good job if you look at their team like guys have come from the D League and are are some of the better players on the team right now and you don't see mm-hmm. that you don't really see that anywhere and, yeah. across the league everybody just goes free agency throw money everywhere you guys are actually developing human beings, athletes mm-hmm. into, and then integrating into your team. And I think that's why ultimately, you know, you guys, you, you were top of the food chain. You brought the NBA trophy to Halifax, which is really, mm-hmm. really special. And I like how you said, um, you guys are diverse and that helps because like you guys just talked about conflicts, if everybody looks the same and everybody thinks the same except for one or two people in a team or an organization, if nobody can reach that person and, and kind of have some dialogue because you can't connect, then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. But what for you're sure. saying is that you guys are, you, you guys have diversity. You guys have the ability to, okay, so-and-so can't get through to so-and-so send, send, send Shelby then, over. Shelby's yeah, going to set, sure. set him straight or, or whatnot. Right. So
2: mm. it's just like life principles. Like we all gravitate to different types right. of people. And so if you don't have like a diverse set of people like there's not going to be someone there for everybody and like I believe there should be someone for everybody it doesn't have to be me it doesn't have to be this other person like as long as they have someone that they can trust or confide in or can be like a sounding board for them I think that's super important and you're only going to get that if you actually prioritize diversity because at the end of the day it's it's hard to because you know we preach all these things of diversity and things like that. But like when we have a job or when people are hitting me up on LinkedIn or people are reaching out to me to have like informational coffees or whatever, 80% of them are guys. Like since I've been on the basketball side, when it was the business side, it was, it was more evenly weighted. But when it comes to like the basketball side, it's mostly guys that reach out to right. me. So somewhere in, in tran and like in this transition, there's a reason why women aren't, even like seeking opportunity in this area as much as men, you know what I mean? And I think that's just comes from like a long standing, um, you know, when you're younger or when you're in high school or even in college, like there's nobody that looks like you in the positions that you want. Right. So there's no women at one time, there was no female coaches whatsoever. There was no female that was visible, that a visible voice from the organization. And now like, you know, the tides are shifting and now ever like almost every game you can look at the bench of an NBA team and see a female coach. You can watch a piece or a story and they're doing a story on, you know, Teresa, who's our VP of basketball operations or or me or, you know, someone in the medical department. Like now, depending on your area of interest as a female, you can probably find someone that looks like you in the positions that you want. And so that makes a big difference. So if you're like huge offense if you're like a white male you've been looking at people that look like you in those positions for forever so you can envision yourself being one of those people so I think that'll take time for that balance to come of young girls like wanting to be on this side because they'll start to see themselves you know and I think that's important and you look at it across any type of um you know, any type of minorities, from from gender to race to sexual orientation to all of those things, like representation is important. Like you have to see people who are who look like you or who are like you in the media, in you know, on TV, in books, on TV, in movies, yeah. Yeah. in like in the jobs that you want. Like representation and being able to see yourself is really, really, really important
0: that's that's crazy because remember we talked to chico and he said exactly that's part of why he used to see all the gangsters in the movies and it kind of molded him when he was younger Mm -hmm. in terms of decisions he made um Mm -hmm. speaking on what you said um i you're i know a bit of your background and and our first the first two guests we had on grew up in the square or grew up in one grew up in the square one grew up in the park Mm -hmm. your background's a bit different um you grew up i can't remember the exact you you went to grammar you went to private school Mm -hmm. so i would say like me you know me like i've had kind of a mixed background in terms of like growing up and then move like growing up near the square and then moving to the south end and i met you Mm -hmm. when i was living in the south end Mm -hmm. and tell tell me like how you feel like i find there's a little bit of misconception from people sometimes that are say at the bottom of the food chain or lower lower um economically that think okay well like Shelby, like, went to a private school, like, she, mm-hmm. she had, she had privilege, she had entitlement, like, did that mean you didn't have to work hard to get where you are? Is there, is there a misconception in terms of, yeah. I always find there's, like, it's on both sides, like, some, it's like, well, you don't work hard enough, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. your road was too easy, so, like, what do you say to,
2: you know, it's interesting for me because I, I'm similar to you. Like I grew up in Spryfield, like before we ever, like, I only moved to the South end when I was like in high school. Okay, so interesting. I come from like a similar background to you. Like my dad grew up with like, not a lot. No, I'm say you nothing. Can... He had, there was food on the table, but it was like a yeah. very modest upbringing. And like, there were times you... in their life where like, they didn't have indoor plumbing and like, that was just, you know, yeah. that's what it was. And so my dad, Created his own business in construction and land development and foundation, and my dad worked very hard. And
3: so, you know, I,
2: we started in Spryfield and then you know, we we moved out to like the country, and we like lived out in the country, and like renovated a house out there. And like my dad, like as he as I was growing up, my dad's business was kind of getting better and better, and he was learning more, and he was learning you know, he was starting to do bigger projects and, you know, those bigger projects led to a different, so I've, I've kind of like lived like through the, um, like the come up, I would say
3: mm-hmm.
2: for my dad. And it's interesting though, because I grew up in an, in an environment where even though like we ended up moving to the South end and we live in these guys' houses, first of all, like my dad did not like living in the South end. And like, <laughs> I never felt like I fit there, like, which is probably why I was hanging out with all of you guys. Like, and I yeah. don't mean that in like a bad way, but like, I didn't hang out really with people. And, right. you know, my parents made a choice to put me in private school early on. Um, and I would say for like many years, that was the most extravagant thing, like about my, our like family lifestyle. There was just one of me, right. There was no siblings. So it was a little easier for my parents to like put those resources into me. And so I didn't, I don't feel like I grew up that way just because like my neither of my parents grew up with a lot. And it was never like when I wanted a cell phone and I'll I'll tell you, I've told the story a couple of times but I'll tell it again, I wanted a cell phone. And I like when everybody was getting cell phones I desperately wanted one. And I know exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I wanted like the Kyocera slider phone. So like I was relentless, like still to this day my personality of like when I want something like I go at it, I was relentless. I left notes everywhere on the in the house, buy Shelby a cell phone. My parents didn't know how to change the screensaver on the computer. I changed it to buy a cell phone. So it was like <laughs> swirling around. I was like making presentations on why I should get a cell phone and I priced it out. My mom was like, okay, cool. You want a cell phone? Great. So she gave me this like list of chores and like put monetary value next to it. So I knew what it cost. Basically, she told me I had to have the upfront cost and then three months worth of my bill. So I was like, okay, cool. So mind you, these chores were out. I was the only child. So I already had chores and these chores were extra chores. Like they weren't like make your bed and shit. Like you had to do that. Mm. That was already like, that's what you have to do regardless. These were like extra things like weeding the garden, whatever. So I'm like every day, I'm trying to crank out as many chores as I can. I'm tallying them up. Like I'm not getting anywhere. Like that's not fast enough for me. So I told my mom, I'm like, give me a job that I can do like a big job. That's going to knock off like a lot of money off this. So at the time we were living in Clayton Park and we had, like, a um, – the house was, like, mostly one floor. There was an upstairs, but the the main floor was pretty big. And it was all tile. Like, the whole first floor is tile. And my mom was like, okay, you want a big job? You can clean the grout of the tile. Oh, so, I was wow. like, bet. Let's go. So, she gave me Javex and a toothbrush. And I sat oh, on that floor dang. for, like, two or three days scrubbing that grout, like, all day every day like in the middle of the summer it was like in the summer like I wasn't going out by the third day I was like coughing like I couldn't didn't have a voice because i had like inhaled so much javik and finally my parents were like okay fine like you can have the cell phone Like, phone. like so like I didn't like I just didn't grow up in like I would say like traditional privileged environment like my dad knew that this stuff could go as fast as it can come and so he instilled and my dad worked hard like that man worked 15, it's still to this day, my dad works 15 hour days and he's out in his work boots and he's lugging hay and dropping stuff off and lifting stuff. And if a guy is sick, he's in the foundations, pouring foundations, yeah. like
0: my dad I, I, still I to this that. day
2: works really hard. And you can ask, well, you've never, my dad doesn't, he might own one suit. This man's in jeans you and t shirt
0: you never Mark know he like, you never know he had money like ever you know he you could put him in a lineup with like 10 guys and he'd be like one of the last, the last people that you'd pick, pick. that you just be like well. who's a really successful like business guy doing, right
2: oh he the man still shops at mark's work warehouse like once a year he goes and buys like 10 pairs of jeans 10 shirts yeah. 10 pairs of, and that's that's that for the year
1: that's Man. interesting. And, and, and that just goes to show like the importance of communicating and sharing these stories because someone someone could label you hearing that oh she's from the South End. Or she went to grammar. All of a yeah. sudden the grammar all-
2: thing, yeah. <laughs> the grammar thing people like to talk about for sure.
1: Grammar. But that's just that just shows how important it is to talk to people because
2: yeah.
1: we're we're way too quick to judge. And I know Will and I had this conversation talking about Chico. Like people are gonna see this episode of this man that was been in jail for 12 and boom, already they have an image of them.
2: Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, it's interesting, like I said, because like I lived in the South end cumulative, like maybe two, three years, three years of my life. And then my parent, my dad, like once I was done in school, my dad like moved back out of the city. Like he lives in, you know, we lived in the, we, what used to call the farmhouse. Like we had, we lived in, and we were in construction. So we were just built, like my dad would build houses. We'd renovate them. We were just like all over all the time, but It's, yeah, like I said, I was lucky to be the product of, like, parents who didn't give me anything for free. Like, mind you, like, I was fine as a child. Like, we had everything we needed, and I got lots of things, and I was very lucky to be raised the way I was raised. I I don't take that for granted, but there was no gravy train when I moved to Toronto. It was, like, a deal. It was, like, this is how much money we are going to give you to sustain you for a month and then figure it out. Like, it was never this sort of, like, endless... I never... I never and had a credit I'm card. Dead. My parents like you got allowance. And if you didn't do your stuff, you weren't getting it. Like my parents really like, and I, I look at it now and I'm like very fortunate, not yeah. to necessarily have been raised in like, um, you know, in a good situation from a money standpoint, but like, they really taught me like values. Like they like instilled Those everything in me. It was like, work. nothing was easy. Nothing's, you handed.
0: Know? Nothing's handed to you. No,
3: listen, um, I'm
0: that's why, I mean, that's why I kind of brought it up because, I mean, some, some person might listening might be, might be listening. Well, at least they still helped you a bit, but the, the point is there's always going to be variance between how much help people get across, across life. And, 100%. and it's all perception. Clearly to me, clearly your, your values, your morals that you were taught, taught you to work hard and, and taught you to earn everything. And it's clear that you've earned everything you got. Um, mm-hmm. And something I want to touch kind of move to is the, the fact that you're around basketball in a gym off, like often, I'd say you're, mm-hmm. you're, how does that affect? Um, cause, cause TOTFC is also known, like it's also a fitness and wellness brand. How, like does that turn you off sometimes from going to a gym to work out to being active? Cause you're like, you're around it all day. Like how, you know what I mean? Some like for me, I'd probably like, it would probably be so natural to me but not everybody's like in the mm-hmm. fitness the way i am so like how does that affect your your uh, ability to stay structured or, or routine or, or do you have yeah. one like how how does that how does that affect your health
2: you know it's interesting because when i stopped playing i went through like almost i'd say a whole year where like i was off working out like i hated it That's
0: like when i stopped she, playing basketball
2: oh like dragging myself to the gym was like the most insurmountable task for me, because I like, and like Will, and Will probably knows this, but I was not like a natural athlete when I played. So like
0: she, I had, she, had to a, run. she could shoot the hell out of the ball though.
2: Yeah, but I wasn't like I could shoot and I could jump. That was like yeah. the two things that I had like in me. But like natural cardio, I used to run during the season. Like I would get up in the morning at 6:30 and run during the season just to keep my cardio up. Like in season. I just, I didn't naturally have, like, the T-Bear, like, run all day, never gone for a run in his life, but just could, like, run all day (laughs) at that. You know what I mean? Shout out to Bear, but, like, he's a freak. Like, there's just no way to put it. So I had to, like, I, I feel like I, through high school, I did, like, what a lot of people did in college. Like, I was in the weight room all the time. Like, I put in a lot of work early in my basketball career and then when I stopped playing, I was just off it. Like, I was so off it. And it really took me a long time to, like, get back in the swing of things. And then once I moved to Toronto, you know, first of all, when I moved to Toronto, I had no friends. And I didn't know anybody here. So I had, like, other than work, like, what what yeah. else did I have to do? So I was, like, starting to work out again. And now it's interesting because I still kind of have to drag myself. Like, it's not something that, like... I'm not like Will or you, where I wake up today. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go to the gym. I'm just like, oh my god, let's get this over with. But it is a really, really important part to like how I feel physically, but also how I feel mentally. Like if I'm not like working out regularly mentally I can feel it and I think it still comes from the fact that I feel that obligation like of having to be in the gym and that pressure to be in the gym and it's almost like a guilt thing for me so mentally it's hard for me to relax if I haven't gone and worked out so if I like have an hour to myself and I sit down on the couch I'm like I can't enjoy it because I haven't worked out so I I actually don't work out at work and I think that's kind of important some people do because we obviously have access to like a gym and all of those things, I go early, I like to work out early in the morning, so instead of going to work, and then, like, being there super early, and showering, there were coming home, and going back, I work out separately, so I do, like, Pilates, or I go to this, one of our friends owns a really dope gym here, and they have, like, morning classes that I'll go to, not sort of, like, your traditional, like, I don't want to be rude, but a female fitness classes, like these really dope sort of Metcon, like lifting classes, like really athletic type classes that are really challenging every day. So um, that's been like really good for me. I feel like I'm back on a really good routine, like five, six days a week, like really consistently. Um, But I still find it hard when we go on the road because then you're just like stuck in hotel gyms. And it's kind of that feeling again of like, but it's, it's important. And I feel like I'm back on a good routine, like really, really back. But, I'm telling you that for a while there, I was off it.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Like a routine for me is absolutely everything. And it's, it's so much more difficult when you are traveling and going places mm-hmm. to, like, kind of, to kind of fit it in, um, just yeah. because you're dealing with so many other external things. Like for me, I just, I just returned home from London because of the, the coronavirus and, and when was that? I got home on Tuesday mm-hmm. In that entire in that entire week until yesterday, I didn't feel like working out at all because one, my, my entire routine that I had established back in London was totally ruined.
0: Mm-hmm. And then with
1: my stress and, and everything going on and getting back here, I was just I was just shocked and my, my routine was just shot. And so it really took me a few days to get back. But I think it's also important not to beat yourself up. Um like a routine is a routine but it, you're you're bound to fall off of it you know once in a while but the most important thing is to not think it's the end of the world or yeah right the, the me- mentally
0: it's it's just so important not, there's not some days off. where i
2: like i'll sleep through my class and it's like I, like sometimes it, it really happens. bothers me and other days i'm like oh that is what it is it, it
0: happens i mean even even tristan's no like you know i'm i'm into fitness real obviously crazy but there's days where like you wake up and you're just like, I'm not getting, like, I need to sleep. I need to rest. Like I, yep. it's too much. Like I'll cause that rest is essentially beneficial to kind of get yourself back into that same, that craving. Okay. Like I'm, I'm refreshed. I can do this again.
2: 100%. Um,
1: um, Shelby, I wanted to t- kind of touch on, uh, I know, uh, just kind of go back to how you said that the Raptors is such a leading organization and everything. And then will brought up the point that, you can tell how much they care about the people um, mm-hmm. within it. Um, and I know that you mentioned that you're part of player development. Um, but when I hear player development, I'm thinking of all the the trainers and, and the people that are actually working on the court with good uh, question. peers. So could you kind of like explain that like a little bit more of your role and what player development means in terms of your job?
2: Yes. So the, the traditional NBA word player development, actually like I would say to the public is on court player development. So you have like assistant coaches and you have player development coaches and the player development coaches are usually the ones that are like staying back with the guys and shooting with them at night, you know, all of those different things. But in the NBA player development is essentially like, it's actually a department. Um, The NBA has an entire department to support player development. Um, the player development people amongst the league, and it's it's a mandatory part of what you have to have as as resources to your players. So, um, essentially the player development that I do is off-court player development. So we're just sort of accountable to making sure that we're, you know, not only building better basketball players, but we're building like better humans, and we're we're supporting mm. them in okay. a way that's going to allow them to grow as people and not just as athletes. And so. That's a multitude of different things, depending on the player, depending on their circumstance, depending on who they are, where they are in, you know, the trajectory. Like Kyle is doing pretty good. He doesn't need, you know, development all the time. You know what I mean? Like as as they get to be vets and you know, but your your focus, my focus, mostly on the younger players. So I work directly with from a development um that's my main focus but player development is it is uh is a very sort of real thing in the nba and it's it's awesome because i would say the nba sees it as a priority so it allows us to to give resource support to our players and other leagues don't get so it's really really cool i think it's like one of the best parts about the nba nice one
1: um
0: okay, uh, I was, yeah, okay I, I, I was gonna ask um, obviously like a lot of people may be listening or or um, younger kids be like, oh my god, like that sounds like the dream job like it, it's so easy, it's so easy like me knowing you and me knowing kind of like you you've been working them <laughs> for so long, explain, explain kind of the difficulties in terms of working for an organization that so many people follow and watch, like explain how, explain the fact that like so many friends might ask you to hook them up and you're like, uh, Mm -hmm. okay, like, let me, let me just give you $500 for free. Like explain kind of the side that makes it maybe not to everybody that um, understands it is challenging to kind of, you know, work around relationships to make sure that you, you don't, you know, you don't make people feel like they're not your friend, but help, help them understand like there's, you can only do so much.
3: Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean?
0: I, I've, I've always, I remember you, you uh, helped me go to a couple games and like after that I was like, man. And then I realized like more and more people are asking me, it's was like, man, I, I don't think I can like, if I'm ever going to ask her for something again, it's going to be for somebody, somebody else, like somebody special that, that mm-hmm. like doesn't have the privilege of, you know maybe paying for a ticket on their own so
2: mm-hmm.
0: ex- explain that difficulty that you've had to kind of in- i'd say endure almost
2: yeah it's interesting because you know I re- like it is so great that i work for the raptors obviously and it's it's so amazing that so many people love the raptors especially now with the championship like it really is cool to like be a part of that and to sort of be a connection for many people to the organization so obviously there are a lot of Canadians, but there's not a lot of East coasters and there's, there's a lot of Americans. So for me to be sort of like a community conduit, I would say to, for people to like, feel like they're, you know, one degree of separation away from the team. I really value that. And I like, I do take that very seriously, but there's only so much I can do. Like, (laughs) you know, we only get so many tickets and we only, you know, this is our jobs. Like, I don't, walk up to will every day and ask him for free gym memberships or free training programs like that's your like livelihood and that's yeah. you know you don't have access to all the like if i was to come to your restaurant tristan like every day and be like okay hey, right. i am on my free food today okay more free uh, food and if once in a while you do hook me up like it's mm-hmm. it's appreciated and it's loved but it's like it's hard, right? People have this perspective of we're a big organization, but there's lots of people who work for the organization. And at the end of the day, we're a business and we have to make money. And so, you know, we're lucky enough to get lots of things and get access to tickets, but I'm going to be completely honest. Like they're like, I'm lucky enough to have a large not large, but I have a lot of people in my life that I really love and value from family to friends Mm. that I would consider family, like Will and them. And, and then friends that I've made here and my partner and his family, you can't help everybody. And when I can help people, I'm going to help the people who have like been there for me, like Mm. my whole life. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, if like, I have the choice between giving Will and his mom tickets when they come up to Toronto or this random person who I haven't spoken to in six years DMs right. me on Instagram. Like, yeah, yeah. I just I can't how, help everybody.
0: How how okay? So for people that are listening, like give give the people listening an example of maybe from when you started to now, like on average, like for a year, like how many people would oh, reach out to you? A year? In a year like or in a duration. season? In a season? In a in oh an God, NBA like season?
2: Over well over like if you don't even count, cause then obviously there's like a business network that I have of people that will still reach out because they need things yeah. or want things. And then when, from like a personal standpoint, like, per-
0: Oh, so many personal, personal standpoint. Yeah, And, and sometimes
2: I don't mind them because sometimes they like, of there course. was someone who I hadn't talked to in five years and she reached out. She works, um, she works in the healthcare sector and there was essentially, it wasn't formally through children's wish, but it was it was a request for a young girl who was terminally ill and they were coming to Toronto for a Raptors game. That was the gift was the flight That's and nice. the ticket. She was That's asking amazing. if there was anything extra. So situations like that yeah. to me are like a no, like I'm just happy she let us know because yeah. we would have wanted to know about something like that and wanted to do something. So in that situation, someone who I haven't talked to in a few years like reaching out but like if you're reaching out to me for your like and then a lot of people use me as like their plug so it's like they're doing like <laughs> sure. business with someone or that you know someone's like yeah. oh I'm gonna try it's, like, oh my, you know my girl works for the Raptors like let me hook you up and then they come <laughs> to me and I'm like ah, bro, sorry you have to figure you, it
0: out do you ever do because you ever I, that's
2: what I, like it's hard like and I, like I've gotten to this point where my patience for it is like kind of thin sure. So I'll just straight up tell people. I'd be like, honestly, like if it's for you, I'll consider it. But if it's for your boys, boy, like, nah, I'm good.
0: Like, do I you, can't. Do you ever correct? Um, has your patience run thin? That when you get DM by somebody and the message, like the delivery, because people don't understand, oh, like, when deli- the, de- delivery, the delivery,
3: delivery, delivery is bad, bad.
0: horrible. Like, are you just like, yo, don't even message me again? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we haven't I'm spoken for two years, My and patients,
2: this, you know, this. My patience is thin on a good day. Like, on the on my best of days, my patience is thin. Shout out <laughs> to Raptors.
0: Shout out every- shout out being a <laughs> Raptors player development coach. <laughs> shout out to <laughs> Raptors running our patience thin.
1: I like – it's just it, – It must feel good, though, to be in that position where you can help people at times, right?
2: Yeah, oh, for sure. And I really do – like, I do love it, but it just has to be the right – like sure. – and at the end of the day, like, the priority is always – and the other thing I don't mind is, like – sometimes people come to Toronto that I haven't seen in a while and they're coming to a Raptors game on their own and they'll message me, Hey, like I'm, I'm going to be at the Raptors game. If you're around, like I would love to say hi, like that stuff. I love that's very nice. That's awesome. Like people I haven't gotten a chance to see, like the Raptors, like I'm at every game. So that game is such a hub for people all over the country to like mm-hmm. come to Toronto and do those activities. So when people message me and say like, Hey, I'm coming to a game. Like that's the best. I really love that. I don't mind connecting with people. I just like, I can't give everybody $500 tickets like it's just not possible but I do love seeing everybody and I love that it's like a place where like I get to bump into people that I haven't seen in a really long time and like Will like the last time I ever saw Tyler was at a Raptors game Mm -hmm. and he had messaged me basically and said that he was coming and he wanted to link up and like I went up and saw him at halftime I brought him on court after the game like and that was a like that was the last time I ever saw him you know what I mean before he passed so like Those types of moments and those connections are amazing. And I don't mind. Those are the things I like doing. And that's the part of it I love. But there are parts of it that, like, aren't the best. And it's, like,
0: definitely. And, you know,
2: the the other part, too, and, like, when you were talking about, like, young people, like, thinking that it's all glitz and glamour, like, This industry is amazing and it's so fun. Like I really, really love what I do, but like you also have to sacrifice a lot. Like there is a lot of sacrifice involved. Like these guys know I'm barely ever home. Like when I do come home, it's like two, three days at a time, like I'm rushing. I'm like, you get, you miss a lot. Like I missed Bear's wedding. It was in the middle of the playoffs. Like you miss a lot, you know what I mean? And you have to give up a lot and it's hard, you know? And then when I first moved to Toronto, man i these guys know i called them like every day i was miserable like i had nobody mm-hmm. so it, it is like it can be really hard not to say i don't love it and it's not worth it but you have to really be prepared for like what you're give what you have to give up along the way and you also find out very quickly like who in your life is going to support you through that like i'm lucky enough to have friends that have understood like these guys don't make me feel bad when i can't make something and you know when i told it's barrett i'm going to be at his yeah. when I told bear he couldn't I couldn't be at his wedding, he was like totally like, and I felt so terrible about it already, and it was already such a hard. I was planning on going down there for two days, just mm. flying in for the wedding and flying out, but it was gonna cost like so much money to do that. And so, he was like totally understanding and never once made me feel bad for it. So, you know, you have to be really mindful of like the company you keep and the people that are in your life and making sure that they're going to support you through that, as opposed to making you feel bad because it's, you already feel bad enough for all the things that you, you know, you either have to miss or can't be there for, you know,
0: that's, that's definitely a huge, I, I, I think that's a huge part of growth that a lot of young people struggle to recognize when they're, when they're growing up. Is that like, being able to recognize that you can't control your friends or family's decisions. Like they have mm-hmm. to make decisions. And you know, if they, if they're a, re- it's a, it's a reasonable decision, you just say like, okay, like it's life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're just sitting at home saying I can't go. And I find a lot of people, like some people put it, like make it about them, like what you're saying. And like being, like bear being accepting and being like, you know what, like, there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do, right? Like, just we'll we'll link up at some point or or something, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a that's definitely like you can tell, like you said, who 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 to keep around and who not. If people are starting to make your decisions about them. Yeah, that's that's when it's like okay, like you need to. I I might have to push you outside the circle a bit now because yeah,
2: and I can like not talk to Will for six weeks and then call him and he'll answer or like we haven't talked in a few weeks and you message me like yo can you do this podcast I'm like absolutely like you you learn like what type of people are going to be like not that they're bad people or good people of course of course you, you learn what kind of people are gonna fit into your life. And yeah. like the life that you built for yourself, you know what I mean? And that's just yeah. like the absolute reality of it.
0: Kind of like the value moral system too. Like what you said, like in terms of being similar and being able to be like, I know what this person's about. Like they have good mm-hmm. intentions. They're not going to, they're not going to throw me under the bus and ask me crazy questions. Like Shelby, what? This yeah. Or that. <laughs>
2: exactly. Tristan, were you living in London?
0: I was living
1: in London. And so I moved there the end of October because I finished school And I was just I was working here in Halifax, and like kind of my stories, I went to high school for basketball in Vermont. Mm. I moved away from home when I was Mm thirteen, and uh, went to boarding school. A U. Ended up going back for university and not that I didn't enjoy St. of X or my university career, because it was like, I have countless memories from that school that I'll cherish forever. Mm-hmm. What I missed about coming home, home for school was like the diversity and kind of the, the experience of being mm-hmm. on your own and being in a foreign environment somewhere we've never, 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 never been before. And I really valued that. Um, so much for my personal growth just by experiencing something new. So I knew I mean, as you opened this thing up with is like you saw me running around St. X when I was four years old. And it was it comfortable. Was, it was always it was always a part of me. So going home was to St. of X was comfortable. And mm-hmm. I knew at the end of my four years I just I was craving that discomfort that I once felt when I went for uh, high school. Mm-hmm it, yeah, I just need to pack up and go somewhere. And they was just through a conversation with my cousin who was living in London at the time. She said, well, Why don't you go to London? It'll be awesome. So I literally packed up my stuff. I said, I'm, I'm going to do exactly what I'm doing here in Halifax, working in a restaurant, just hanging out, working out. Yeah. I've never been before.
2: Yeah,
1: why not? Fast forward four and, a half, uh, four and a half months, I'm back in Halifax due to this crazy virus. Like, mm-hmm. It was getting getting out of control. My job had to let me go and I was going to be able to survive for a month without a job. But then as things escalated, I'm like, okay. It's better to
2: be home for these types of times, you know, access to your healthcare system, all that stuff.
1: City as it is that like my trip or whatever my, any progress that I felt like I was making kind of stopped. You never know. Like just listening to you, it's exciting. Like be open um and have patience because who knows this this could be another blessing in disguise like Mm one another like you never know so i'm just i'm just thankful that i'm experiencing different things um and this virus is just another experience right so it's going to teach us all
0: crazy! so how how um if you can touch on that like how how did it affect the organization's um like, to to shut everything down, like, did it take a while, like, were people, like, still trying to, trying to, like, go to the gym, were you, like, how did that work between, you know, like, as much as details you can give us, because it is nuts, like, think about, it's crazy, especially in Toronto, like, tell us, tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's so crazy, because, like, Every day, like, just as a person, you're kind of looking at this, you're like, is this real life? Like, we're really living through this. Like, this is going to be, like, something in the history. Like, we're living through history right now. And it's so crazy to think mm. that, like, For
0: sure. just
2: like that. Well, not like that, but essentially was, like that. You like that. know,
0: It should be like that, but it's taken.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the, it's interesting because we were kind of shut down before just based on the fact that, we were in contact as soon as the Rudy Gobert yeah, stuff that. came out we were one of the last teams in contact with him so we were very high risk essentially you know because we had known exposure to somebody with the virus so we were on strict lockdown like right now you know we're all on social isolation so we're you know we're trying not to social distancing so we're you know you're trying not to go out But, like, there was a period there where the team was on 14-day mandatory self-isolation by the public health. You know what I mean? By public health Ontario because of exposure.
0: Not from the NBA? No, not from the NBA.
2: Because other teams that, you know, had, you know, everybody's trying to do the right thing, social distancing, all that. But we were known exposures, which means you had to be in the house for 14 days. So, So that's more the players than us. But even if you tested negative, you're still so early on an exposure. It could be 10 days. So you have to do mm, the 14
0: days. You just have no to. No matter what.
2: And then if you show symptoms then you start over, but if you don't show symptoms through that 14 days, then you're considered okay. So True. um, yeah. So we were shut down pretty quickly. Like we were one of the first ones I think to really close our practice. like we really took all the steps, but um, yeah, it's just like, you know, I have a business too. So we've shut that down. And you know, there's just like all these implications of like, and it's hard for, it's hard, like, I'm going all the time. So the first few days I was like, you know what? I'm trying to like positive spin. Like I'm actually kind of excited. Like I need a break. I never take a break. I'm usually going like 18 hours a day, like from six 30 in the morning till midnight. And I go to bed and I wake up and I do it all over again. And so I was like, you know what? There's lots of things that been on my list of things that I've wanted to do that require just like a lot of planning things. And you know, those things that take a lot of time and so I was like you know what I'm gonna get all these things done all these things that have been in the back of my head like I'm really gonna like use this as like productive time you know and so I felt that way for like about a week and then yesterday I woke up with like this insane like feeling of dread and I was just like oh my god like how long can I do this like (laughs) but at the end of the day it's like it doesn't matter how long you can do it you have to do it like this we're in the middle of like a global health crisis like nobody cares about my anxiety at this point like stay inside you know what I mean like that's just what it is but it's so crazy like everything about it is just like we just there's so much we don't know and you know it's we're really like basketball is such a moot point at this point it's like about people's lives and like the health of our communities and the health of everybody that we know so you know it's been hard I think for everybody trying to like reset and just like you're, you just you know what you're supposed to be. like every other day in my calendar like a notification pops up it's like oh Toronto versus Lakers it's like oh we we're supposed to play the Lakers today <laughs> you
0: know?
2: Here we are. um but it's crazy I've, I
0: I did I did want to touch on people that don't know you did so you went from you went from moving to Ontario mm-hmm. uh, you know climbing climbing the food chain of MLS and entertainment and then or sorry Maple Leafs entertainment and then to the Raptors and then kind of Growing through their organization, um, and then you decide to do your own venture and start your mm-hmm. own business. Um, tell tell people a little bit about your business and and where it came from, and and you know maybe the the challenges that have come with running your own business. Because mm-hmm. me, me, as you know, like I'm just starting mine, and man, every day is is a learning it's a learning curve, it's a challenge. You're mm-hmm. there's barriers. You're constantly making mistakes you're constantly questioning wow. yourself. Did I do this right? Yeah, You know what I mean? Um, and I'm fortunate to be good friends with you. As you said, like you helped, um, help me out over Christmas and I was very thankful. Mm-hmm. So give people an understanding of, you know, where the idea came from, what it is and, and how, how, how it challenges you.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, I've I've always been into business. So that's where the sports business thing came from. So once I moved over to the basketball side, I've been a little removed from the business stuff. Um, Obviously it's still a business as a whole, but like the nitty gritty of business has sort of been not something I've been a part of for a while. So I kind of got this, I've always had like an interest, like sneakers have always been a big thing. I've had like an interest in sneakers for forever. Like, you know, that's always been something I've loved. And, you know, as over the years, it's just like, it's kind of gone away. It's like when at first I used to be just interested in basketball sneakers. So it was like my like daily kick game was like whatever. But like when it came to basketball, like I was into like getting heat. Like I wanted like, you know, I wore Jordan 10s, like Jordan. Like I feel like I was doing that stuff before people were doing that stuff. But that's you know, my, my own, you <laughs> <You're> know,
3: <out.
2: laughs> my own. Ego. It's
0: okay. It's okay. I'm brushing your shoulder off right you now. Uh.
2: But and but you know what that was also like very much relevant in our group of friends. Like all of our friends were into like that, but it was like on court sneakers. It wasn't really about like the sportswear like at casual everyday. Like I don't even remember what I used to wear on a daily basis. Like I don't I don't remember. But basketball sneakers were like the thing. And so you know as I stopped playing basketball, sneakers became something that I was really interested in, and like that's only grown since I moved to Toronto, and of course, now it's like yeah. a passion of mine. So. I started – I felt like I needed some type of, like, hobby. That sounds weird because I don't have a lot of time. But I felt like I needed something to, like, decompress that wasn't, like, my phone all the time. Because my phone's going off all the time. It's it's not super productive to be on it all the time. So I was like, what are some things that I could do that would get me off my phone, like, or not watching a screen all the time? So I don't know. I think I saw it on YouTube or on Instagram, like, someone painting a sneaker. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I, I did some research – it was something easy that I could like not spend a lot of money on. So I bought a couple of paintbrushes, couple colors of paint and I had an old pair of sneakers. I'm like, let me try and just like see if I can do this. And mm. so I taught myself and I was like pretty good. I was actually pretty good at it. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. So I started customizing sneakers just for friends, like not charging money Just send me your shoes and I'll do them for you. Really? I didn't want another job. I didn't want another obligation. I just wanted something that I could just like pick at and like put around when I had the time. So people started asking me if I could teach them how to do it. And it like brought me a lot of joy. Like I really loved it. Like all of a sudden, like I would blank, and it would be like three o'clock in the morning. I'd be like, Oh my God, I have to go to bed. Like I've been doing this for five hours. And like, I didn't even notice. Um, so as I started like looking around and I, I went to a couple different Nike events that were like customization based. And I was like, these are really fun, but they were very rushed. We only had an hour. You had very limited choice of the things that you could do you know it was it was cool but it wasn't a, it was an activation it wasn't a business so i kind of took that idea and thought like what if there was a place where you could go and do that but do whatever you wanted and then we'd teach you how to do it and i was like if i can teach myself i'm not an artist by any means i'm not great at drawing like there's nothing special about my skill set that means that i can't teach other people how to do that and that's how Mac House was born. So Mac House is a self-service sneaker customization studio in Toronto. We're in a shipping container um, in downtown Toronto. And basically people book times online and bring their sneakers in and then we teach them how to bring their own customization ideas to life. So it opened last June in the middle of the NBA finals because I like a good challenge um
0: and <laughs> let me just not been, sleep for a month straight oh my
2: god like it was so and you know how it came to be that month was just like an arbitrary decision that i made which was like i was like i want to open it in the summer because i feel like summer is like a good time yeah, but we go to summer are. league in july for the first two weeks of july so we're gone so i was like well i'm not gonna open it in july because we're gonna be gone for half the month and then i was like august is just like then you lose out on the whole summer so i was like june And then we went to the NBA finals and I was like trying to open a business and help win a championship at the same time, which was cool. It ended up being like the best month. It was like the best month ever.
0: Mm. Talk about like everything else.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everything else is just like downhill after that. Like every month you're like, Oh, like this month is boring. Right. But yeah, it's been so fun. And it's really, like, satisfied, like, a piece of my life that I feel like I, not lost, but I feel like I was, like, missing. And it's mm. cool to have something that's, like, totally your own. But, like Will said, it comes with, like, a million challenges and, like, a whole new set of, like, worry and anxiety all the time. But I, like, love it. And it's doing really well, despite now us being shut down because of it, COVID. But it, um, it it it's been so much rise fun.
1: Rise to the occasion, right? You set out this yeah. goal. And whether or not you hit it, at least you're going to try to reach it, right?
2: Yeah, I function best like when I have a lot on my plate.
0: So
1: no.
2: I like to push the boundaries of that and see,
0: see how far see how you much
2: can I go. Can load up on that
0: plate. That's that's essentially what you know, TFC is about is is challenging yourself to to mm-hmm. to try to do more than what you could do yesterday, for, whether it's for fitness sure. or whether it's business related. Which is it's nice to hear you say that. Um, mm-hmm.
1: That's almost a good way to, like, I know we're past an hour here, so, like, we always try to ask ask our guests, like, one question no matter what. Okay, what you got? Just to kind of lead lead off of that, like, what does Top of the Food Chain mean to you, and and how does it apply to your everyday life?
2: I feel like Will just stole my answer, but I'm going to duplicate it. I feel like for me it's not about, like, other people's definition of, like, who's at the top. For me, it's really about how far are you pushing yourself? And, like, when you get to what you thought you couldn't accomplish, like, how do you push yourself, like, even a little bit further and a little bit further? I think it's unrealistic to grade yourself against other people. Like, I think being at the top is, like, a very personal thing. And I think it's, like, how do you – how do you hit the bar and then raise it again and then hit that bar and raise it again. And I think like that just takes a lot of energy, but I feel like it keeps you moving and it keeps you from getting stagnant and like being stagnant is like the worst possible thing in the world. In my opinion,
0: it's, 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 it's declining. It's like, I always tell Tristan, it's like people with money, they don't just, they don't not invest it. You know what I mean? Because when you don't invest your money, it is actually declining with what yeah. the economy is doing. Right. Exactly. So if you're, if you're just comfortable being in the same spot in life, like you're essentially just, you're not really, you're getting worse and mm-hmm. while, everyone, while everyone else gets better in a sense.
2: Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like always in the same area of your life. You know what I mean? No. Like you don't, it doesn't always have to be your career. It doesn't always, you know, it can be in like yeah. a multitude of different things, but I think like always finding an area of your life where you can like push yourself,
0: being a better a- partner, being a better daughter oh, okay. to, to parents. And it's, I'm, I'm so happy you I have said that. I'm a perfect that. daughter. <laughs> ask <my parents>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask
2: my parents that just take my word for it. No,
0: what um,
2: you guys,
1: you hit it. Well, if you wanted to add anything else, I mean, what that did, was, what I, did, what, for
0: me, what did just, you, just, you, what did you say? Shelby?
2: I said, what does it mean to you guys?
0: Oh, so she, oh, oh. oh. um, The
1: exact same thing. I mean, Will's kind of been trying to uh, pull this out of me, like, for as long as it's began. But to me, it's more of a mindset. And uh, that's why I'm so happy to hear your like how you how you see it as well. Because it's just the fact that you're never satisfied. And you're always reaching for something else and trying to better yourself, right? There's, there's always room for improvement in, in whatever it is. So like value yourself and your own uh, self improvement, right? Mm-hmm. So, ev- take every experience, every situation, everything that life brings to you, and and, and learn, find a way to 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 go over that and uh, improve because it happened to you, mm-hmm. right?
0: I would I would say similar. I mean, even before we we talked to you today, Tristan was like, man, like we have like sixty like viewers on our first podcast or something like that's great like that's hype and i was just kind of like i'm kind of like okay like and he's like like man like why are you and and i was just like (laughs)
2: that's so well it's like that's very well
0: so shelby like knows me like i'm i'm not saying i wouldn't say i'm perfectionist but i'm somebody that's constantly searching to like i i'm constantly shooting for like a really high standard where it's like if i do something that other people might be like, that's a good start. Like, that's a great start. Like, you know, even getting 10 views or 10 su- subscribers, like, that's great. But I'm just like, my mind's thinking like, okay, uh, like we hit 10, 100 next. Do
2: you remember what you said to me? One, like one of the first, I can't remember if it was like when I came home for the trophy thing or like when we won. But do you remember like one of the things you said to me? I'll never forget this. I'm just, I'm say? really remembering it now.
0: What, what did I say? He
2: said, you guys should have won it in five Oh, I was okay. like, bro, we won a championship.
0: What more do you want? He's like, you should have won it in five. That's, I had always, Loki, key I'd like, always. That is like Will in a yeah. nutshell. Right Low-key, I'd always, we'd always text about <laughs> basketball occasionally. And then eventually she would just, sh- she wouldn't even get into the conversation. She, she would, she'd answer, we're just focused on the next game. Like, shut up. Stop talking that's to me fun. about <laughs> basketball right now. I love it. So oh, you're that's... not, you don't work you for us. You should five. God no but that's so but, you though.
2: That's like that is like the epitome of you
0: to you know that i mean top of the it's just it's just like you want to be better and that's why to me i really respect the raptors organization who you work for and it's a great um example of the type of person you are because you're working for a business that to me embodies a lot of values in terms of what i consider top of the food chain brand it's some it's people that you're growing people and you guys also give back you know what i mean one thing about mm-hmm top of the food chain that I think is imperative and, and crucial and that we talk about all the time is that the point of being at the top of the food chain isn't to be there by yourself you know what I mean the Raptors mm-hmm. it's great to win an NBA championship but it's not like they win an NBA championship and just cut the public out you know what I mean like I'm yeah. sure you guys are going to schools you're meeting like you guys are giving back mm-hmm. to the community and get, and showing kids listen you guys can be successful, you know what I mean? And that's, to me, that's what is so important. And for a lot of people that don't know Shelby, the way I do is something that I've always been, you know, really impressed about who you are. And it's always made me really happy in my heart is that um, from a human standpoint is that like, even when Shelby moved to Toronto, she was working with um, youth, like she was coaching a youth basketball team with, uh, I know it was Tim at first and, Mm -hmm. and then um tim's her her ex-boyfriend from a long time ago but he, like they were she was she she brought me to a practice and it was something for me it was like she introduced me to the kids like just come come watch us and it was like and she's done it i don't know if she's still doing it but she was doing mm-hmm. it for a while and it's like and she's all in still
2: college now well if you can imagine that
0: i i ran into one of them at the mall working at Foot locker i can't remember his name he's tall and he he came up to me because shelby Another thing that people don't know is that Shelby brought a team to Nova Scotia for a barbecue and for ball, and we had the barbecue at Bevzy's house at all places. Yeah, and and she took kids that have never traveled, and we taught. It's crazy that we're saying this right now, kind of ending on, like near this. Chico talked a lot about one of the biggest things that he th- thinks is so important is traveling to mm. other places and meeting yeah. meeting new people and seeing new things and you literally went out of your way like you didn't have to do that you could have just sh- you could have shown up to a team put in an hour you know what i mean i i gave back like i i you know i i told a kid that needed to learn you know tough love i gave him that but no you went beyond that you went top mm-hmm. of the food chain you went i'm going to take these kids yeah. to a new province that nice. they know nothing about And I'm gonna and I'm gonna introduce them to my family of friends, and Mm -hmm. let them and just let them interact. And to me, like that is what that's one of the biggest things that I think top of the food chain is about is that it's giving back. So for me, like it might not I like I eventually want to do something like that, but for me, it might be in the gym. You know, somebody that's not comfortable that comes up to me and asks me a question. I want to be as most forthcoming as I can about who I am and how I can help them and, and, and give back to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So important. Um, and, and that's what I'm, you know what I mean? And so that's and it why like adds
2: that... value to your life. Like for me, it's for like, sure. everybody's always like, Oh, you give back so much. And it's like, like, it's so, in, in many ways, like, yes, it's altruistic. Yes. It's like what we should do. But it like, I don't think people realize like almost how selfish it is of me for doing these things. Like it, it enriches my life in a way that is like, just on another level and it gives me so much like it really really does and i and and i say that to say like it fuels me in many ways and so really the reason i do it is more selfish than anything else because it makes me it gives me purpose it makes me feel good it's all those things and so when all those kids are now like in college and doing well it's like oh, it's like so it's such a good feeling and not to mention like i was doing player development long before i was doing player development in the nba I, so that was that was
0: it's the uh, i was
2: thing. that's it's why every, I brought... like, where did you like learn how to work i'm like all those kids like how
0: how are you able to snap on on so and so like without feeling guilty or or not sure how they're
2: they're the same right like they're just a few years older and and in the NBA, but they're the same a lot of them come from the same circumstance it's just the same so Mm -hmm. it's so funny because it's like in many ways it's actually like what's made me go to my job Mm -hmm. and and like but so it's given me like more i feel like it gives me more than i ever gave it i mean i've given a lot for sure my time and but it's like it's amazing like it's gratifying it's like Sure. It's just like use your life purpose, and now it's cool because like I'm, I'm sort of out of the youth basketball stuff. I'm still try, still helping the kids that I know, and you know, mm-hmm. it's still like, now it's like helping them with university papers, which it's like I'm like, like probably not much doing. It's different now, and they're just like doing so well. It's more fun than it is work, but now it's like now I have Mac House, and it's like okay now we're doing different things through the sneaker community. And I'm like, we have a bunch of give back initiatives there. And it's like, it's kind of a new area for me. Cause I'm so comfortable in the gym and I'm so comfortable in those youth. Um, like with inner city youth when it comes to basketball, but this is like a whole new, these are kids who are artists and you know, it's just different. Right. But it's been cool. It's like, it's kind of like a new, it's like the new era for me of like how I give back and, you know, put things out into the community. But it's like, it's so it's, yeah, that trip, I think about that trip to Halifax all the time. Like it's still the best. And those kids it's, it's are still to me, like some of the most important people in my life. Like when I get married someday, like those kids will be there. Like they are, you know what I mean? Like as much yeah. a part of my family as like you guys are. So, it's cool. It's like it really gives your life purpose. But you can it's the same way. Well, like you now have a skill, you know, and a mm-hmm. and a, um like a platform essentially mm-hmm. to help people, you know, and like
0: that's what Kids I'm, being
2: that's, in the gym is better than being on the streets, you know?
0: That's what I'm trying to do and you know me like that's that's one of the biggest things I I've I've always um tried to express to people and, and found difficulty trying to explain to people how, you know, how communicating with people and and not thinking that you're, you know, I am stubborn person, but in terms of Oh, ter- oh
2: you are. in oh,
0: in terms of in that. terms of communicating and and being a listener and and trying to and try to have people come together like my time at x um like that was one of my biggest things that i really i like i I would try really hard about because i i understand that how important it is for people to learn to listen to other people that don't look like them or don't don't speak like them or don't come from the same place that they do you know what i mean and um
2: and i would encourage I, you well like don't wait in the sense of like i f- i felt like this too when i first started doing this stuff is like i felt like i had to wait till i got to a certain level to like give back cuz it felt like yeah. not authentic but it's like being stubborn to me was like the best thing about how I was able to help you. Cause I was like, I was relentless. Like they mm. would like, they never fell through the cracks when it came to me. Like I was on you all the time because my yeah. stubbornness wouldn't let me let it go. Yeah. And ultimately that's what was able to help them the most because I was on them all the time, all the time about everything. I nitpicked yeah. everything from how you were at home to how you were at school, to your grades, to your personality, to your body language. Like I was relentlessly stubborn with them, but don't wait until top of the food chain is like, you know, what you imagined it to be yeah, in five no, for, years. Like you sure. are, like, you are the type of person that these kids need now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. Exactly. As you are mm. now,
0: mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I I have, I think I have two more questions, but they're not really like deep. I, I do want to touch on one me. thing you just said before that, Um, how mm-hmm. you said, giving back. Some people look at it as a, what do you say? Altruistic, um, selfish thing. That's another important thing is that like, man, one thing about life is that like, you never, you can't keep everyone happy. Like there's going to be the people that are like, okay, you're not volunteering. Like you're not, you're not doing enough. And then when you start volunteering, it's like, Oh, you're only doing it because of you. Like Mm -hmm. one big thing about is, is understanding like who you are and how you run and exactly what you said. Like, it gives you purpose. It's just like one of those things. 100%. Keeps, it keeps me running like obviously I want to do really well so that when I see them later on in life and they look at me they're like man she's still going up like how's this for even sure. possible like when I met her like I thought she was already at the top and now she's still like mm-hmm. she's even more impressive now right so I just wanted to put that in that like for sure there's, there's perspective on everything that anybody that says like yo you're giving back because it's like only for you it's like no, there's more to it but maybe yeah it does it does look good on a resume it will help me yeah. later on in life but there's there's more to it than just that so no, exactly, it's a good thing for sure good thing for people to to understand it's like you can't keep mm-hmm. everybody happy yeah. um i was just gonna say touch just touch on two things um one is one is uh quickly like would you prefer do you prefer uh nba playoffs or summer league in terms of being being a uh, part of or going to and, and why, and then who's your favorite Raptor of all time.
2: Ooh, you're just asking this question. Cause you want to argue. The second question you're just asking, cause you want to argue. And I already know this. You're not going to catch me with this again. I've been doing this for 20 years.
0: No, no, I won't argue. I, you already know who you, Hey, look, look, number 15. Anyways.
2: I have spent more years of my life watching will argue with anybody about Vince Carter versus anybody than I have doing any other activity in my life. I can say that confidently.
1: He loves he loves getting into sports and he loves back.
2: Vince Carter and he loves to argue. Hey, like, you this is like stream push him. So the first one You know what? That's hard for me because in a weird way, because I work with a lot of the younger players and I'm really into like development. Summer league is like, people think it's very boring. I love summer league because summer league is like the time where I get to like really see, like we have all these new prospects. We have all these like kids that we're not really sure like what they're going to be or who they are now. And so summer league is like a lot of fun for me. Just like sometimes when, like you guys stop watching the game because it's like they're putting in the bench i'm like yo this is my playoffs like let me see what these young guys have so i would say both
3: answer but i think
2: obviously the playoffs is dope it's like high stress it's all the money's on the line and i love that too but i really like summer league because it's an environment where i get to see like what are some of the development things we're going to work on like who do we have like You know, sometimes that's your first time really spending time with those guys, so it's a really, really fun time to just figure out like who these guys are and like what we're gonna work on and all that kind of stuff. So I love both. Um, My favorite rapper, raptor of all time. I can't. I'm not. I can't count any of my current players because that's not fair. And I never
0: favorite. Before you answer that, before you, before you say if you're gonna say, um, one more thing right before that, is there any player? developing on the raptors right now that you can see climbing to the top of the food chain on their team or in the nba is there anybody that you're gonna shout out if not it's all good
2: yeah yo, you know? honestly we have like a crazy group of young guys so i think like i think you're gonna i think some of them you're already seeing like terrence chris boucher like those guys but i think you're gonna be like terrence i just is think that's
0: nice that, yo, terrence he, is his game's sure. nice his game's nasty Which,
2: legit yeah. no honestly we have like a really good crop for young guys so i'm excited to see like the next couple years and how that shakes out uh my okay my personal favorite yeah. raptor of all time and n- maybe not like my favorite but the person like that i can remember growing up and like looking up to and this is like gonna sound rogue but was jerome williams jyd oh yo i used to wear the sweatband. i used to wear my socks up to my knees like i loved him oh. when i was younger
0: <laughs> hey I'm not even but gonna argue Vince that one.
2: Like Vince is like the most culturally relevant to the franchise, and I think like he's so just iconic, and you know, I, like it, even now, I think the relationship is like as he's gotten older, and and as we've distanced ourselves from the past, you know, I think we're 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 able to like appreciate Vince or the the fan base. I think we were always able to, but I think the fan base is is for a lot sure. of and appreciating Vince you- as opposed to like not liking him. So, um, but yeah. And I will end it there so that Will and I don't get into a fight.
0: Shout out, shout out. Thanks for tuning in to TOTFC Podcast. If you liked it and you want to hear more, please share it with a friend, a family member, a teammate, or anybody. Like the video, consider subscribing to TOTFC Podcast. Mm -hmm.